Welcome to the Pure Joy Project. Uh, my name is Paul Lanigan, and I'm here with my good friend, uh, fellow soldier, uh, brother in Christ, uh, FCA partner in crime, Crew Taylor. Um, so crew, <laughs> crew, who who are you and why should they listen to you talk about the Word of God for uh, for 45 minutes or so today? Who am I? Uh, I'm a... My name's Crew. <laughs> Start off. Uh, I'm from St. Louis. Um, go to Missouri Baptist University. Shout out. Um, but the thing you need to know about me is that I am a broken sinner in need of a savior, and have been redeemed by Christ. Um, that is the only foundational truth that needs to be established in my life, and from there I get to have confidence in Christ and everything else. Um, so. I am super stoked to be able to uh, talk about the Word of God today, and so uh, I want to make sure that this is not a, a a platform to talk down to, but a, a a place that we get to share our heart of what the Lord is even teaching us. And I know about a month or so ago, me and Paul got to hang out and uh, just just sit down and. Uh, break down what we're about to talk to you today and we've just saw so much uh intensity of what the lord has been teaching us the last year um so really 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 excited for today excited to be taught even more by the word of god um and just uh, see what he has in store for today you know hmm. <laughs> come on um i have met few men and i've done a lot of like the Lord, and I tell people this gospel's taken me all over the place, um, and I mean that very seriously. That that this gospel has carried me from um, St. Louis to North Carolina to wherever, and it seems like the same message is getting shared in different places. And so, in all the people that I've met, and all the ministry opportunities the Lord has given me, I've met so few men that not only um, that not only love it, but like wield it and battle with it. Um, and like use it in, in how we're called to use it in a lot of scriptures that we'll unpack later, but talking about Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4 and these things like the analogy of the sword. Um, we talk about Revelation 1. I also think of that like when Jesus spoke to John, like it was it was a sword that, that was the analogy of what was coming out of his mouth. And like a sword, this is the only thing we're told in, um, in scripture is a weapon is our is the word of god that we get to wield um and so i've met very few men who i really think battle with it and crew is one of those guys that i hope if you're listening to this podcast you trust the holy spirit in me um and it's the same holy spirit that's in crew and he loves it just as much and as passionately as i do um and i've shared those words with him in different ways but i've met very few men that really want to battle and not just exist um, Crew's one of those guys. So I asked him to do this podcast because when something's on my heart to share a message alongside a guy, um, it seems to always be fruitful to bow to it and, and always work out. Um, so Crew, I'm going to ask you to pray for us, and then we're going in. Deal. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, uh, we just praise you uh, ultimately for how holy you are, Lord, and that you love us uh, despite our brokenness, God. Lord, let today be glorifying to you. Um, Lord, let uh, your word be spoken today. Uh, God, 
let us not offer ourselves, but you, uh, Lord, let us not offer our flesh, uh, but ultimately offer the perfect gift that you are, Lord. Uh, God, equip us today. Uh, I ask that your, your word touches our hearts and sits heavy on our hearts, Lord, that we uh, even get to walk away from this uh, and be transformed to even look more and more like Jesus as soon as we walk up uh, and leave this conversation. God, I pray uh, again that you are glorified. I pray uh, that this sparks up people to wage war, uh, people to go ham against the enemy. Uh, Lord, we pray that your spirits just ignite a flame and sparks revival uh, in this country, in the world, as you are already so doing, uh, Lord. So we ask that if it's in your will for us to be a part of that, Lord, let it be so. Uh, whatever that looks like, God, we are here and able. Uh, so, Lord, we love you so much. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Hmm. Come on. So, Crew Taylor, what is the war yes. we're being called to? What is this war we keep talking about? Man, the war. Uh, I think in a big umbrella statement, you can say that it's just like waging a war against the enemy, against the darkness, right? Hmm. Like we, we, you have two opposites. You have light and dark. Uh, and I love First John because it makes that very, very clear Like when it talks about like the, the difference between the light and the dark. And I think our, our, our war is to be waging war against the darkness, right? And I think, and we'll get into like what, man, there's a whole lot of things that come with waging war against the darkness, right? (laughs) Extremely. Um, And we have, um, it's like a very simple battle, but also an extremely complex battle. Um, Very much so. And so we have like, it's the same thing that like the gospel is deep enough for like a theologian to absolutely drown in it for the entirety of his life but it is simple enough that like a child can say yes in full faith. Um, so what do you have like scripturally about this battle we're fighting? Well, I think we need to start uh, in Ephesians six, right? Um, hmm. I think it, it is a, a great depiction of um, man. What, what, what that even looks like? What are, what, like, what are we even doing? You know, hmm. um, so it's the armor of God. So Ephesians 6.10, I'm going to read quite a bit because it's just the word of God goes hard. You know All what right, I mean? Come on. Uh, so Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We could spend forever on that verse right there. Mm-hmm. Um, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So there it, it, it prefaces what we're fighting against, right? Um, and then verse 12 really kind of hits it home. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, right, because of that, because of the battle, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Hmm. Um, so it makes it very, very evident, like, right, what is our, like, it, it basically puts a pinpoint on the darkness, right, that I was talking about earlier. It's like, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right? So we're, we're fighting against the enemy, right? Um, and I think Paul uh, shows us what the Lord has equipped us with uh, of that. But 
we get we get to he he emphasizes what we're fighting very very clearly right like me and you are not fighting it's not me versus the world it's not me versus paul anagan it's us believers right the body against the enemy right it even says in like uh verse 11 like we have to put on the whole armor of god that you may able to uh may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil right mm. so i think another thing we have to establish is that man we have to wake up every single day and understand that we're at war yeah you know mm. that's and so thing. yeah i think that that's that's part of the first battle in the morning is understanding that we are in a battle hmm. right because how easy for us is it to wake up and just go through our, our dailies and forget that there's a battle to be fought i know i've fallen into that trap quite a few times <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i oh that's so good it reminds me of um and i and i tell people so often um snack on literature dine on the word of god that like, do not quote theologians more than you quote scripture. Uh, but C.S. Lewis talks about how, like, the first battle of every single day is to take all of the thoughts that rush at you as you wake up about all of your priorities and anxieties and, um, and like, all of, all of the things that you are to handle on your to-do list and to compartmentalize them to, risk, to give the Lord glory. Like, to, yeah. to understand that above all, all these things that you have to do today are for the Lord's glory. Yeah. Yes, he desires to bless you in them, but that is the fight. Is like the enemy will try to throw all of this at you at your most vulnerable before you or your feet are set. And the first battle of the day is to put it in a in a like in the box for it to be glorified, like by the Lord, for it to be handled one th- faithful thing at a time. Um, I like along with that Ephesians six, like we're told about the battle. Um, yeah. I think about the Great Commission, um, and I love the word "go" within the Great Commission. And it's, it says like, so Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I don't know how that verse gets overlooked so much when the great commission is read <laughs> because it's yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like it gives me chills. Like all authority in heaven and on earth, everything ever created in the heavenly realm, right? Colossians 1, 15 through 23. If you want to read about Jesus and his role in creation yeah. and his majesty, like, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this same Jesus invites us to life alongside him. And he tells us after giving us this peace so simply as he prepares us for this fight, um, after telling us that he is above and created and everything is held together by him, for him, through him, like he says, go therefore in verse 19 and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe, to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like these these promises that Jesus has given us in order to go forth and wage war, that is the charge that is that that is like the foundation of the war for me, is like to go. He says, Go yeah. therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, teaching them to keep the commandments. Like, this is so simple and so complex. As we're going to continue to unpack, it's like, how the heck do I actually battle with this? Like, how do I actually go? What does going look like? What is um, making disciples and teaching them to observe commandments and baptizing them and all these things um, look like? 
But he tells us before and after he gives us this great charge of war. I mean, this great charge of going. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. It's like these guarantees. Um, I think that that like the promise that we wrestle with, my mentor, um, Rich Bartell, he he says that like in his testimony, there was like two very simple things that he wrestled with to the point of salvation that like, like the Holy Spirit used him to stir his heart so much. And one of those things is John 10, 10. And it's that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come to give life and give it abundantly, give it in abundance, give it to the fullest, depending on your translation. And so Rich was like, is this life in Jesus really the greatest offering on this earth? And if I don't believe that, I will not be willing to fight for it. If we didn't think that freedom was the greatest thing we could acquire, we would not be fighting those that try to take it from us. And so yeah. I like, I think we have to understand if we are to wage war, what the heck are we waging war for? Which is a pretty solid segue that I didn't plan um, into why should we partake in this battle, Crew Taylor? I think the first, like, super simple answer is strictly obedience, right? Like, in the Great Commission, what 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 verse gets overlooked quite a bit? That all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Authority, yeah. right? And so, if we understand who Jesus is, and we understand the weight of that statement, hmm. then we're going to understand that, the reason why we should do it is because he said so, you know, like it's strictly obedience. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, the church, like, as in like the, the body of believers, I think sometimes struggle to see Christ as Lord. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think, and I, and I think that's because of a misunderstanding of misconception of who God is. And so I think if we, um, man, if we, if we understand God's holiness, which we won't, but like, if we get a grasp of the intensity of his holiness, should I say, then we're going to understand the magnitude of Christ's sacrifice, right? And if we understand the magnitude of Christ's sacrifice and why, what other thing would I call him besides Lord? Mm. And so I, th I think that's like, I know it's such like, a, it's a one word answer, obviously, but it's, it's so much there. It's like, it's strictly obedience. Because he said so. Like, we are called to make war against the enemy, right? The battle has been won already. Hmm. But while we're here on earth, right? Back to Ephesians 6, 12, right? For we do not, but like here on earth, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like, there's still an enemy to be fought here on earth, right? Hmm. And so we, uh, we have to understand, right, that there is a battle. So that's first step. And second step is like, okay, what are we going to do with it is we're going to be obedient. We're going to be obedient and wage war in that battle. Like we are not going to, we're not going to sit on the sidelines and just hope that the, the varsity players of our faith, whatever that means, gets to go out and do the thing. Mm. Like, no, like if you are in Christ, like we are called to this. And like, this is like, this is a, like I said, a great commission, like Jesus said, you know what I mean? Like he, he tells us to go. And so what are we going to do? We're, we're going to go. Um, 
And so I think, and we can keep unpacking that, but like, I think just like the one word answer is obedience, you know, Mm. that, that like pairs with, I, I mean, he gives us this promise. Um, so for the sake of, of righteousness, fulfillment, holiness, like you could look at fulfillment as a selfish thing, but it's something that like God desires for his people is for them to delight in him. That is like the greatest charge of man is to delight in him all the all the days of his life, is to delight in the Lord all the days of his life. And um, and so obviously he wants to fulfill us. He wouldn't tell us to follow him if it was not the best thing for us. Yeah. And so we partake in this battle because in in any pursuit of any kind of real joy and fulfillment, right? We know the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the Holy Spirit working actively in us is all of the qualities the world wants everywhere else. Everybody wants love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It says even in that verse, in verse 23, Galatians 5.23, there is no law against such things. Nobody has ever banned or, or tried to suppress love, joy, peace, or patience. Or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. Now, people may live as if they're suppressing self-control, but um, there is nobody that's ever tried to shut those things down because they are like what the world longs for. I think this goes with um, Ecclesiastes uh, 3.11 and Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. Um, really powerful things involving like how we are wired and created like Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And then Isaiah 26, um, it says in the path of your judgments, this is verse eight. Oh Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. And then mm. verse nine, my soul longs, yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world are in righteousness. So your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. We, we try and we see like people love the fruit of the spirit that we, are, that we get to steward. Like everybody loves all of the qualities of it. And so they, they try to worship those qualities rather than the one who brings those qualities. Mm. They try to worship the love and the peace and the patience. And they, and they worship those qualities in themselves and the way they're growing in them in a worldly manner. And um, they, they hold those higher than the one who literally is those qualities. They hold the qualities themselves higher than... And we see, I mean, humans are so quick to worship things. Um, but it's be, and it's because like, as we see in these two verses, like wired in our heart is a desire for the Lord. We cannot experience true fulfillment outside of an intimate connection with Jesus. And so people will try to find it everywhere else. Try to find what the next thing is. Tom Brady, after winning five Super Bowls, which he's now won seven, is in an interview. He's already the greatest player of all time. It's undisputed, like the greatest quarterback of all time. It's basically undisputed. And he says, there's something else. He's like, I don't know what it is. There's something else. He's been to 14 Pro Bowls and won seven Super Bowls and all these things. And this guy is still longing for something else. Like 99% of football players, the non-believing ones, would tell you that that is life. Like you make it to the NFL, you succeed on the highest level. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Have a wife and kids. Tom Brady's got all those things. And, and there's something else. 
And so we see that there's like, there is this longing for God within us. And, and in his promise to fulfill, I have John 15, um, 10 and 11, which I have referenced so often on this show. Um, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is Jesus speaking to his people. Um, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So we see fullness again, right? John 10, 10, now John 15, 11, that, that we receive life to the fullest. We receive joy to the fullest in Jesus and keeping his commandments. First John 5, 3, the love of the God, for the, we know the love of God is, is such that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That in his commandments is our fullest joy. In abiding in Jesus, abiding in his love by keeping his commandments and going therefore and following them in creating disciples, in, in baptizing others, in teaching them these commandments, we receive our fullest joy. So we, we, are, we should partake in this battle because there is no lasting joy, which is the thing we are seeking in every avenue of our life. There is no lasting joy outside of Jesus Christ. Mm. So there's a hindrance that is the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy that is trying to keep us from this flourishing, incredible, fruitful life with Jesus. And that is what we battle against. So how do we wage war effectively? I think we can... There's a, let's, let, let's go over a couple of things because I think there are... There are different things, right? We said like the enemy is like a big umbrella statement because there's a lot of stuff, right? We face a lot of different battles throughout the day. I don't know about you, but I I, I know I do. <laughs> um, but first, uh, we can go literally right back to um, Ephesians 6, right? Like he, Paul tells us exactly what we do, right? After he establishes who we're fighting against, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Right? So the Lord equips us with the things that we need to fight the battle. Right? I, that takes so much pressure off of us. Mm. Because I know I know for me, like, if I'm not careful, I want to just like, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. I can do this. I can do this. But that's just self-sufficiency, and I have to repent of that. Mm-hmm. And so we have to equip ourselves with the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, because, right, and having done all, stand firm, right? We have to, he says, because of this enemy, we have to put on the whole armor of God and having done all, like, stand firm. So there are, like, two things, right? The armor of God, and what else, how do we also we do? We stand firm, right? And we, the only way we can stand firm is by standing on a firm foundation, you know? And so it's like the only firm and and the only firm foundation that we have in this world is Christ. Right? Like just like you were talking about, like he is the only thing of fulfillment. Like he is the only mm-hmm. thing that is going to establish what life is supposed to be like. Because he created it in a certain way. And us being in Christ, we get to experience the joy and the peace and the comfort and the love and everything like through him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we have to right understand we have a battle. We have to equip ourselves with the very things that the Lord tells us to put on that he has gifted us. And then we have to stand firm, 
Like we have to like we have to go forward, like we were talking about the Great Commission, and wage war against the enemy. Because if we don't, we're missing out on the call that we have on our lives. Right? And I think the word like calling can get so like culturally washed down, if that makes sense. Mm. Or more like beefed up, I feel like I could actually say. Like of like being called to something. Like, yes, like the Lord calls us in a lot of different places, you know, but like the word calling as like a, this is, this is how I'm doing it. Like, like the, the, the Lord makes it very evident that we all have in some aspect and we, we have the same calling, right? Mm. It's just where we're supposed to be at while performing the calling. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. And so I think we can get so caught up in like, like, right, like missionaries that go in these crazy places, right? It's so easy to be like, oh, like, let them do that, right? But what are we doing here at home? Are we like, we have the same Holy Spirit that lives within them, that lives within us. And so we have to understand that waging war is, is an overall universal calling. It just depends and the thing that changes the variable is that like, man, where are you waging war? Right. For example, right now you're waging war in Waco and I'm waging war in St. Louis, hmm. but it's the same war. And so I think so many people can easily get like, Oh, it's not my job to do that fighting. And I think that's the point I'm trying to get across. Like, man, like we all, we have to understand that we are all called to wage war. And it starts by understanding the enemy, understanding that we have a battle understanding what the Lord has equipped us with. And then we just get to stand firm in Christ. Mm. <laughs> understand the enemy, understand the battle, stand firm in Christ. Yeah. That's a word that'll preach. I, yeah, that'll ah, preach. Um, so we're told very plainly by inspiration of the Holy spirit in scripture, like what we're fighting and how to fight it. Um, it's about mm. taking it seriously. So I want to, before I answer this, because this is really like the last, I mean, we may go on a couple more spiels and bounce off each other, but yeah, um, we were sitting at, what is that that ice cream place called oh. across the street from? Uh, is it, does it start with a Je- Jenny's? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. I don't I th- Sure, like close enough. But we are sitting like 12. Silkies. 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 You're the man. You're the man. Silkies. So we're sitting at Silkies Frozen Custard in St. Louis Mo, like in Mid Rivers mm. Mo, but St. Louis Mo. Like 12 to 15 collegiate FCA workers, yeah. right? Collegiate people that, gave, that, that have offered their time to pour into the next generation. And the the conversation that absolutely lit crew and i up was about soft belief was about mm. halfway in halfway out belief people that are not waging war they're just chilling they're just chilling on the halfway point they're they're miserable because they're not truly fighting and honoring the calling and the commandments but they're not also living like apart from the lord in this sin that like satisfies them temporarily so they're just they're just miserable and they are and they're actively inviting other people to be miserable with them. Mm. And it's like like I think about my my two brothers who like went to college and I I hope and praise the Lord that they that they listen to this podcast. 
um, as, as I love both of them dearly, but they know I have not supported the way they've gone because they have identity crisis, crises in college. And both of them get welcomed by the first group of lost people that can try to bring everybody else to be like them. Like if you look at all of the people and you can, you can think about whatever group you want as like those who are lost. I mean, those who are not honoring the Lord, those who are, um, openly not doing so. And, um, are living in these sins of homosexuality. They are living in sins of, you know, gender identity and all of these things. And, these people were the first people to welcome my brothers when they started to have some identity issues and they just want everyone to be like them. It's like, and I think about like Christian communities, it's like the same problem is present where people are like, there are, there's this scripture that we are told to steward. First Thessalonians two, we are stewards of his grace approved by the Lord to be stewards of his grace. And rather than actually stewarding and wielding this sword that is scripture, they're just inviting other men who claim to be Christians to just be average alongside them. We are not called to be average. Romans 8, 37 and 38, we are like more than conquerors of all of these things. Like we're told, we're told a grocery list in Romans 8, 35 and 8, 36 of things that we will face. People are getting sawed in half. Like people are, I mean, all of these things, these crazy tribulations that we are promised, mind you, John 16, 33. In this life, you will face trials and sorrows. Take heed for I've overcome the world. Jesus again tells us he's overcome the world. He promises us trial. And so either way, you're going to face trial. You choose your fight, you choose your fruit. You're going to face trial and you're either going to be, uh, you're going to be distant from the Lord by your own choosing. He never goes away. So you're distant from the Lord by your own choosing. You're miserable in the face of this trial or you can walk alongside Jesus who promises that he's conquered those things, all things under his feet. Colossians 1, Ephesians 2, um, like all things under him. He's promised this. He's promised that he's with you always if you welcome him. And you can, so you can, you can choose how you fight this. So you choose your fight, you choose your fruit. In the first, right, we, our fruit is not going to be too hot. I don't think anybody's going to be positively impacted. We're probably going to be personally miserable and leaning on a lot of things, um, or we can walk with Jesus who's promised to conquer these things and we can grow and inspire others to do the same and receive this fullest joy that he promises us. Mm. And so I just see so many people that label themselves as Christians. And this is what crew and I raised our voices about was so many people that, that label themselves as Christians that just don't care. They, they just yeah. don't actually wage war. They don't take the sword of the spirit, the word of God and wield it against the enemy to receive the fullest joy. They just are sitting there. In the Great Commission, it does not say sit and make disciples of all nations. Like, no. <laughs> go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. If you want, if you want to experience God, listen to me right right now. If you haven't listened to this podcast at all, if you want to experience God, and Scripture will back this up, and we've shared many of them today. Follow what He tells you to do. And so we are explicitly told in scripture to wage war in the name of Jesus against the enemy. If you want to experience God, fight the enemy, receive fulfillment. So off of that, I have some scriptures that I, I try not to ever make a point on this podcast without scripture to back it. Um, because I believe we do not know truth outside of the word of God. And it's that simple. We do not know it. Um, 
So if we want to fight effectively, we have to cleanse ourselves and outpour from the well that is Jesus. If we do not first cleanse our, our desires of the flesh, our, our, um, all of our lusts and our impulses and all of these things, and then allow the Lord to fill us, we will not be outpouring with truth. 2 Timothy 2, 21 and 22. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace alongside those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. These two verses embody so much. We're told we're either going to hear, depart from me for I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant. And we're told over and over again in scripture that we will stand before the throne of judgment. So you choose what he's going to say to you. You can either cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable and be a vessel for honorable use, right? If he is our master, we are his servant. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, as we have cleansed ourselves and and been uh, prepared for every good work. We're told very clearly to flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace alongside those who call upon the Lord in a pure heart. Very clearly. So are you fleeing youthful passions? Are you doing the things necessary alongside other people to flee youthful passions? You know what they are. I don't need to name them. And are you pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace alongside those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart? Or is your community soft? Is your own selfish like ambition departing you from the Lord? Are you, are you being less than what he's called you to be every day? I'm convicted by saying that myself. It's like there, there are still so many ways that I fall short. I still need grace every day as desperately as I did when I received it. And, uh, but we're told to cleanse ourselves. And to go along with that, uh, Matthew 12, 34, right? You brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees. Um, how can you speak good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you fill your heart with will be the words you share. So now we're told to cleanse ourselves, to flee youthful passions, to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and speak out of a heart that is first filled with Jesus. That's how we successfully fight the enemy. Uh, Romans 12, 12. Um, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So now alongside fleeing youthful lusts and cleansing ourselves and filling ourselves with Jesus, we are faithful in praying, which is one very important step to filling your heart with Jesus so that you can outpour it. So now we're told to be constant in prayer, to rejoice in the hope that he offers us, to know that this world is fleeting and this battle is the only thing worth truly fighting and everything else is just a minor distraction or a major distraction from the battle we're called to. And we are to, to pray in the name of Jesus boldly against the, against the enemy. We are to walk in the name of Jesus boldly against the enemy. We are to sit in accountability and genuine love alongside others who call upon the Lord in a pure heart. As I referenced in 2 Timothy 2.22, but also I think about Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Spurring one another on into loving good works. Like we are, we are to encourage one another. So now we are, we are fleeing youthful passions. We're pursuing, us righteous, we're pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We're praying constantly. We're surrounding ourselves with others who love the Lord and encouraging one another into loving good works. This is a decent list on how to, how to battle the enemy. 
<laughs> it's given to us straight in Scripture, Romans ten seventeen, as well. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Are you sharing the Word of Christ? Are you speaking it openly? Are you allowing it to show up in, in every conversation and in your mm-hmm. own thought life? Is it tucked on your heart? As, you, as we see Jesus tempted by the enemy— I have no idea. What, what is that in? I think like Mark 10. I don't know. Um, um, any, yeah, there's, there's, it's in three of the Gospels, I think. Maybe even all four. I don't know. Um, but as we see Jesus tempted with the enemy, what did he do when the enemy tempted him? He, he fought it with Scripture. He fought it with truth that was written on his heart. He didn't have to pull out his references, though it's totally okay to pull out Scripture because we're not Jesus um, whenever you're being tempted. Or whenever there's a conversation that needs it. But faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And if this faith is how we receive our fullest joy. And all of these fruit that we're seeking in other places. And it comes through hearing and hearing is through the word of Christ. So true hearing is from the word. It is from scripture. Are we using scripture to battle the enemy? We're charged into a lot of really, really cool things. Um, And... Uh, like uh, to encompass all of them, John 13, um, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. All people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, that a genuine love, a first Corinthians 13 a first John three sixteen. We know love for Christ laid down his life for us, so we should lay down our lives for the brethren. Like this genuine love marks us as his disciples. They will we will be known as Christ's disciples. We will be known as as walking in this full joy as we genuinely love one another. But there's a bunch of tangibles that we have to follow that scripture gives us. And that is to to cleanse ourselves. That is to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace alongside those who call upon Jesus. <laughs> that is to, dude, this whole list is so cool. I didn't plan this, but, um, <laughs> and that is to fill ourselves first so that the outpouring of our heart is genuine and the things that we're saying are genuine. And that is to, to not neglect to meet together, but to spur one another on into loving good works. That is to fill our, to fill our hearts with the word of the Lord, because faith only comes from hearing and hearing only by the word of the Lord, by the words of Christ. And then we're told to genuinely love one another, that out of this genuine love for one another, we are marked. We're told to rejoice rejoice in hope and be constant in prayer. The enemy absolutely hates people who are at peace and people who have joy and people who are battling him in the name of Jesus because he is absolutely helpless. Because this, this world, this, this battle has already been fought. Christ has already won. And so the enemy knows if you wield the words of Christ, if you wield his name and his promises in prayer, he can't do anything. Like he loses and he knows that 100% of the time. Good. And I just, I guess I, I invite everybody listening today to step into the, like the great battle, like to wage war. Yeah. Crew, do you have anything you want to add? That was like 10 minutes. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. No, dude. No, literally do not apologize. Um, Man, I think one thing I would just add is just, all right, step up. 
you know, hmm. um, we've been equipped. We, we've, we've looked at the word of God and how it so clearly defines what the battle is, why we should fight it and how we do it. Um, but I, I, we can read and we can listen and we can do all these things, but if we don't step up, then what was the point? Right. Hmm. Um, and so I, I think we, we don't understand, right. The freedom that we even have here, uh, right here in the U S is like, it's ridiculous. Like the fact that we were able to record this right now and nobody's knocking on my door asking why I mentioned the name Jesus. Like that's a blessing in itself. Um, and I think we need to understand uh, and steward that gift of freedom well. Um, like, right, we look at we look at the churches in the Middle East right now, like Afghanistan. Like, the church is being persecuted right now, right? And, and what's even crazier is, and I, this hypes me up, is that that, that the church grows through persecution, mm. and and I think. I think here, right, we were talking about people that kind of just, like, believers that just, like, sit on the sideline and are just not, they just, like, don't care, you know? Hmm. Like, we have been given such a gift of freedom. Why the heck would we not go out and just tell everybody and their grandma about Jesus? Hmm. Like, this, I, 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 I don't understand why we 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 sit down and and don't use our freedom to be able to make much of the name of Jesus like we have this unbelievable gift to wage war freely as in like a a a, a law sense right hmm. like government or like being on top of a sense like we 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 are we have all this freedom here to use our words and go wage war for souls. Like our, like we have to go and make disciples. You, like, right? I think I'm going to go on a slight tangent. I'm very sorry. Come on, baby, please. Uh, we have to go and make disciples, and going and making disciples does not just mean being nice. Hmm. Right? Like being a Christian does not just mean being nice. We, we have been gifted with this opportunity to go and share and love, right? But we're so, like, we've been, our, our, our culture has created this thing of just act differently and somebody will ask you about it someday. Mm. I, that rarely happens because people just expect people to be nice now, right? And if you're not nice, then people are going to say something. So what, what are we doing differently? How are we living above reproach? How are we set apart, right? How are we in the world but not of it if we just blend in with the quote-unquote nice crowd, hmm. right? We are supposed to love. Yes, oh my goodness, yes. Like you said, like they're going to know you are my disciples by the way you love one another, right? So we are called. There's, there's action called to this, right? So I'm not saying just go be rude and then talk about Jesus. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you have to pair the Christ-like and pursuing Christ-like living with, with words and action. And you're going to have to step up and talk to somebody about Jesus at some point. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're called, like how are we to make disciples 
if we, we can't engage in conversation about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, I think like the biggest thing I want to say is just like step up. Right. And I, it is scary sometimes. It really, really is. Like I, I'm not, um, I'm not overlooking that, but a, a passage that I know for, especially for this school year, I've been, I've been clinging on to, um, is first Peter three, uh, we'll start in verse 13. It says, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Mm-hmm. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, right? And when Peter's writing this, he's writing this to a group of believers that are being persecuted by Emperor Nero, who is one of the worst, if not the worst, Emperors that like went ham on persecuted Christians. I'm talking about burning Christians at the stake to light dinner parties. I'm talking about putting Christians in arenas to be eaten by lions. I'm talking about just killing them just for killing them because there was this whole backstory of how he blames the Christians for a fire that started, right? And so he just took it all out on the Christians and went ham, right? Now, if we read this again with that view of this intense, crazy persecution, right? It's so convicting to me, right? Because then he says, now who is there to harm you? Uh, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Hmm. Right? When we understand the context, we all, we understand that. He's talking to a completely different crowd. Right. And how much more do uh, we have this opportunity to go forward and make disciples? Like, I, I, we, we don't steward this gift well. Like, we have to step up. Right. And so, like, close it back out. It's like, we, we've identified the enemy. Right. We've identified why we need to fight this battle. And we have also identified how we do this by God's word. And now it's your turn to step up. Hmm. You have to step up, right? I, I can talk about all these things, right? I, I don't know. I think of like in a baseball game, right? I can start, I can, I can talk about, I know how to swing a baseball bat. I know, I can even know what, what pitches the pitcher is going to be throwing. I can do all these things, but if I don't step, step up to the batter box and swing, there's no point in knowing those other things, hmm. right? And so, guys, like it is time to step up because who, who, it's only going to get more difficult. And that's the reality of it is because we live in this world of there's no such thing as absolute truth. And so it's just getting more and more difficult for us to be able to stand on the firm foundation of Christ. So what makes you think that if you're not standing up now, that you're going to stand up when it gets even more difficult? Hmm. And we've been given this opportunity to know that we get to step up and have freedom in stepping up that if it gets harder, we've done it before. So we just get to keep, keep doing the thing that the Lord so blessed us to have the opportunity to do. Like we get the gift of being able to share the gospel. Like the fact that we are able to use our words to talk about the Lord is a gift in itself. Like we, we have to understand that we have to step up to the plate. I can have all this knowledge, but if we do not step up, then what is the point? Hmm. What is the point? I, mm, that's so good. And 
I want to like bring just two truths that both happen to be in Luke 22, which is really cool. Um, Jesus, after rounding up the 72 disciples that he sent out with nothing, he sent out with nothing. I mean, like literally he said, like where you go, stay, don't go anything. Sell all your possessions, walk, um, for the sake of them then having a holistic trust that, that he could, that he would provide for them or that he knew what was best for them. And he tells them after rounding them back up, um, in, Luke twenty two thirty five. he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said mm. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I look at, at our story and then later in Luke 22, Peter denies Jesus three times. And it, and it seemed to be innocent. It seemed to be that he like, in order to be closer to Jesus, he was denying that he knew Jesus to those people around him. That he was sitting at the fire with the guards and rather than like, um, rather than being like, oh yeah, I was with Jesus and then just being probably, you know, brutally murdered and all or like persecuted at this, at that moment, he thought, he thought it better to just be close to Jesus, but say nothing. And how, how often do we deny Jesus out of what we justify as an innocent heart? Mm. Oh, that conversation was inconvenient. You know, I would have been late to class. Or, um, or like, oh, that text would come across kind of weird. I haven't talked to them in a while or whatever. Like how often do we deny Jesus? Like the gift of evangelism is one thing that like the rocks need to hear it too. Mm. And so if we aren't proclaiming it and yes, doors open, I can tell you firsthand that doors open to share it as you are willing to share your story and share truth. As you, as you will not hold back on scriptural truth, you deny Jesus when you deny somebody scriptural truth on a topic or in a conversation. Even if it might be awkward and they might not love you, Jesus says, for if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. You'd be of the world if you were, or you would be welcomed by them if you were of them, but I have called you out of the world. So it must be different among you. John 15, 18, 19. Like, how often are we denying Jesus? How often are we actually wielding the sword and fighting for believers and for lost souls alongside others who call upon him with a pure heart and really waging war? And I want to give like this, this great revelation that, that, that isn't that great of a revelation. That's like, do you know why you feel at home at Christian camps? Because your entire life is focused on service and the word of God. That is exactly what we're called to all the time mm. is to focus on Jesus service to him and his people and the word of the Lord. That is why Christian camps feel like home. And mm. then we allow the enemy who comes to steal, kill and destroy to bring distractions again. And we put down our sword both literally and figuratively as in we put down the word of the Lord. That is the sword. And then we also put it down in our hearts and our minds. And then we stop fighting. You're willing, when you leave camp or you leave whatever, some type of charging conversation, I mean, you're ready to share with everybody. And then like, where does that go? Like, where does that die? And so as Cruz said very well, step up. Step up, it is worth it. As Jesus promised his disciples who he sent out in a much worse situation than you were in. Unless you live in the Middle East and you're listening to this, then I praise the Lord for you. I pray for you daily. 
but you are you listener are in a much much better situation than his disciples that he sent out with nothing were in a much easier situation and so in you stepping up to wage war the most uncomfortable thing you're asked to do is maybe not be liked by somebody for telling them the truth do you understand how soft that is to not share that truth and so i just invite um, I invite you guys to give the Lord the chance to prove himself right. That he has told you that he will provide for you, that he is above all, in all, and through all, that he has been given all authority and is with you, and he asks you to go, to share, to pray, to love. Game on. Let's go. Come on. Crew, will you pray us out? Absolutely. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time, uh, Lord, that we uh, get to see how much your word actually equips us, Lord. Uh, so let our hearts be transformed. Let this not sit lightly on our hearts. Uh, God, help us and encourage us and equip us to step up. Uh, God, equip us in our weaknesses, Lord. Uh, and ultimately, let, let, let our lives be glorifying to you, God. Uh, Lord, I ask that you open our eyes. Uh, give us, give us your eyes, Lord, and give us, show us opportunity for for gospel conversation, Lord. Because I know, uh, and I also repent of how often it it is easy for me to selfishly walk past a conversation because, like Paul was saying, it's inconvenient. Uh, so, Lord, charge us up. Let us go out and make disciples, Lord, trusting in your promises that you've given us, God, and let us wage war against the enemy, Lord. Hmm. We have won the battle already, Lord. We get to live in freedom. So let us steward the, the gifts that you have given us well. Uh, God, we pray for revival in this country. We pray for revival in this world. We pray that so many people come to see you. Lord, we pray for... Uh, believers that step up, Lord, and get to get to step into battle every single day, ready and equipped by you. That we have done all, stand firm. Lord, that we get to stand firm in you and not in our flesh. We get to be confident in you and not ourselves, Lord, because there's nothing that we possibly could do, Lord. It is everything that you have already done. So God, be glorified today. We praise you for your holiness. We praise you that you loved us so much that we get to even have this relationship, Lord, the fact that we get to sit here at, in your presence, Lord, and just and, and, and pray to you, God, that is a gift. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lord, we love you so much, and we praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen.